What follows is a Fitness Lab Pittsburgh interview that we recently released. As you may or may not know, Moving to Live has a sister podcast, FitLab PGH, which interviews people in the Pittsburgh area that understand that movement is a lifestyle, not just an activity. When we heard about somebody who had a marketing firm to promote pogo sticks and activities that promoted movement related to pogo sticks, we knew we wanted to interview them. We think this is a great interview for the Moving to Live podcast too, because movement is a lifestyle, not just an activity. It's the Fitness Lab Pittsburgh podcast, a new episode every week, a podcast about movement, part of making your life complete. Fitness Lab Pittsburgh, a.k.a. FitLab PGH, brings you interviews with people in the Pittsburgh area who understand movement is part of what makes life complete. Looking for a new movement idea or just want to hear interesting stories about people who make movement a priority? This is the podcast for you. Whether you consider the gym, dojo, or fitness studio your third place or just want to learn more about movement activity and fitness to enhance your life, give FitLab PGH a listen. We interview locals in the Pittsburgh area who make Pittsburgh a great place to move. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play, or check out our website for other subscription options. Subscribing is free and gives you notifications when we release new episodes. Each podcast episode will be long enough to pique your interest and short enough to hold your attention. Have an idea for an episode? Know somebody we should interview? Or just want to connect with us? Drop us an email F-I-T-L-A-B-P-G-H at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at F-I-T-L-A-B-P-G-H. Already a fan of FitLab PGH? Check out our sister podcast, Moving to Live. Moving to Live is a podcast for movement professionals and amateur aficionados. Moving to Live offers weekly interviews with movement professionals featuring topics from career development to coaching tips and education resources to advice for parents of student-athletes. We look forward to hearing from you, and we hope you enjoy our next interview, starting now. FitLab PGH and our sister podcast, Moving to Live, firmly believe that we should treat movement as a lifestyle, not just an activity. That's why, in addition to our weekly podcast, three times a week, we do a video movement tip lifestyle hack that's one minute long, available on most social media channels, including YouTube and Instagram. And every Thursday, we feature either a two-legged or four-legged FitLab Pittsburgh featured person or animal. If you like what you're hearing, you like what you're doing, please leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast app. In this interview, we talked to Will Weiner of Expogo, a company that promotes pogo sticking for people of all ages. Whether you're after a Guinness World Record or you want to do tricks on a pogo stick, I think Will has some interesting comments about movement and making movement a lifestyle. FitLab PGH back with another podcast. As you know from listening to previous podcasts, we are a podcast about movement. We firmly believe that movement should be treated as a lifestyle, not just an activity. And sometimes we find our best guests just by surfing through the internet and looking at Instagram posts. And in actuality, this will be our second interview that we've done for FitLab Pittsburgh and Moving to Live where the Wall Street Journal gave us our initial idea for it. About 18 months ago, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about a cardiologist for who for his physical fitness jumped on a pogo stick. And it's not just your average uh, 
pogo stick that you picked up with uh, green stamps if you're a little older than I am or something that you went and you got at the local toy store. These were pogo sticks where you could jump almost as high in the air as you wanted to. And I kind of thought that's really cool. Didn't really know anything about it. And then a couple of weeks ago, saw on Instagram that Expogo had an event in Pittsburgh. And I Googled it and learned that Expogo is in Pittsburgh. Expogo is a event company. And we we're fortunate enough to talk to Will Weiner, who is the MC and the president and CEO. Is that correct? Yes. And he's going to talk to us about his background, how he got into a career in pogo sticks, and more importantly, or as importantly, talk about what X-Pogo is and talk about these pogo sticks, which as soon as we hang up, he's going to, or as soon as we finish the interview, he's actually going to sell me one. So Will, thanks for taking time to talk to FitLab Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I think this will be a fun little conversation. And who knew there was so much to know about pogo sticks, but I think we all might learn a lot. I think the first question to really ask is, you see somebody, you're in an elevator, you've got one of these pogo sticks slung over your shoulder, or you've got an ex-pogo t-shirt on, and somebody says, what the heck is this? What's your 30-second elevator spiel of what you do? Sure. So it's a whole lot of things, which makes it hard to do 30 seconds. But as much as I can summarize it, ex-pogo as a company, we are working to grow pogo as a sport. We do that through three ways. One, doing stunt performances, so working with professional people who can do flips and whatnot on poker sticks. Two, through media, so making YouTube videos, Instagram things, trying to promote the sport. Three, uh, through competitions, so we host Pokapalooza, the World Pogo Sticking Championship. And then four, youth and community development, which is generally focused around Pittsburgh right now, but hopefully one day globally. And just very quickly, and we'll get into this more, how do the pogo sticks that you use differ from the ones that you can go to the local toy store or big box store and buy? How do they differ from those? Sure. So what our pros are using, uh, they're from a company called Vertigo based out in California. Um, The way these Vertigos work, they're actually designed by a retired NASA engineer who was kind of bored and thinking, I wonder if I could make a better, cooler, crazier pogo stick around the start of the 2000s. And what he ended up doing was designing a pogo stick based on pneumatics, so it's air-powered. So what you're actually doing with these sticks is you can inflate them with a bike pump uh, anywhere depending on your skill level from 40 to 120 pounds a square inch. They could take more, but most people can't get them to move above 120. Uh, and that allows you to scale the resistance. That allows you to get a lot of height. It allows you to do some of the tricks these guys are doing. Uh, so it's really all these air-powered Vertigo pogos that are kind of providing these guys a career path and extreme pogo. And we'll get more into that in a few minutes. I think one of the most interesting things is finding people's stories who get involved in these movement activities. So the question I always ask FitLab Pittsburgh guests is, are you a Pittsburgh native? If so, why are you still here? Or if not, what brought you here? Sure. So not to be overly long-winded, I um, am not a Pittsburgh native. I grew up in New Mexico. My family were Pittsburgh expats. So I was, you know, raised into the stillers and all that. Um, when it came time for college, I ended up getting into Carnegie Mellon, felt right, kind of wanted to see the motherland, ended up here, really liked it. Um, I got a gig out of college in New York, so I was there a couple years. I wanted something smaller. I wanted something that felt a little more communal, somewhere I felt like I could uh, make sort of a community impact, uh, as well as a cost of living. I wanted to buy a house, blah, blah, blah. So I moved back here um, two years after graduating. So I've been here for the past four years, but eight out of the last 10, if that sounds more impressive, uh, planning on staying. And when you were going through your degree program at Carnegie Mellon, did you think this is what you'd be doing eight, 10 years down the line? Definitely not. Um, yeah, if you told me I'd be, uh, 
yeah, managing the world of pogo sticks or what have you, I'd probably laugh. But uh, at the same time, it sounds about right. So, Did you have a pogo stick growing up? I was not a super athletic kid growing up, honestly. So really my initial exposure to X-Pogo, which I'm sure we'll get into, was kind of the first time I started pogoing. And I definitely did not pick up pogo super quickly. I'm proficient now, so that's good. Um, but it was not you know, my passion as a child by any means. And I know one of the things that often happens when you're in college is you get to try new and different things. And there's always certain things that no matter what the college is, everybody does. Everybody does hacky sack. Mm -hmm. Everybody throws a ball around with a lacrosse stick. Everybody flips a Frisbee around. When were you first exposed to these pogo sticks? And what was your first response when you saw these? Yeah. So this may be a bit lengthy, but um, my freshman year actually um, they had Pogo Palooza, which is our championship here. I didn't know what it was. I saw it was a part of an orientation thing. Um, and I actually went to go and try and see it. Um, and it was in Shenley Plaza, but I was confused and I was a freshman and I like was kind of lonely, whatever. So I went alone and accidentally went to Shenley Park, then ended up getting rained on and super sad. And I wrote this like depressed poem about searching for pogo sticks. True story. Um, cut forward a couple months and I actually was, um, cast in a play with a guy who's one of the founding fathers of Pogo. Who knows? And he was talking about this whole thing. And I was like, oh, wow, I was <laughs> trying to see that. So it's not like everyone at CMU was Pogoing, but I happened to meet this guy. We ended up hitting it off and becoming good friends. So I did kind of gain some cursory knowledge about Pogo through becoming very close with him. And that kind of put me on the road to getting more and more involved, you know, <laughs> against maybe my better uh, intentions or whatnot. So it was a really kind of a strange path to getting involved with it. I'm always curious. This is a, a little bit abnormal when you think of what somebody does with a CMU degree. What was your parents' response when you first got into working with Expogo and said, you know, I'm going to do this as my career path so far? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. So I, I guess to go into just how I got involved in Expogo may, may help as well. So I was in that play with that guy. Um, I was doing economics at CMU, but on the side, because whatever division three, not that many people care about their sports. I saw an opening on Craigslist. They're like, we need a football play-by-play broadcaster. And I love sports, you know, despite not being the best athlete. I love sports. I love the stories they can tell. I love kind of what fitness is able to do in terms of just like personal betterment and achievement, blah, blah, blah. I always dreamed of being a sports broadcaster. Like when I was a kid, I would sit in my car or whatever and pretend to do play-by-play. So I was like, sure, let's do it at CMU. Blah, 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 blah. This guy I was in a play with uh, ran the pogo stick thing, and he knew, hey – we're getting more advanced. We're going to need an MC, an announcer. I know you know something about this. Do you want to come out and do it? It's a hard thing to say no to. So I'm like, okay, let's go do it. And it was definitely overwhelming and crazy when I first get there because it's a sport. What are these tricks? It's a small community, but a tight-knit community. Like, who is this guy coming in? Um, And that was in 2008, my first Pogopalooza, Pogopalooza 9. But at the end of it, I ended up becoming very tight with the athletes and the community. And I was like, this is an amazing sport. They're doing crazy stuff. I love this. I want to stay involved. Um, and I was able to, I consulted coming out of college, but on the side, I, because of remote work and stuff like that, would stay on as an MC for a lot of the bigger events. So stuff like NBA halftimes we would do. I would take off for the Pogapalooza championships. Um, and having some experience in business and econ, I would also stay in touch right with the people actually running the company and just to say, Hey, you know, give them advice on 
however they may have been running things or they would ask me for stuff. So I became and was able to stay kind of intimately involved with it. Consulted for a few years. Corporate thing wasn't quite for me. Uh, so it was definitely, to get back to your question, a bit of a shock to mom and dad. But I think what helped was having kind of established myself in a corporate way and like, hey, I think they had some confidence that like if this goes belly up or whatever and the pogos completely fail, I'm hopefully competent enough to uh, um, figure my life back out or whatever on that on that track. So I think, you know, they knew I'd been announcing with it. It was a bit surprising, but you know they were they were generally nice, if not kind of confused and like, okay, well, go ahead. I guess we're talking with Will Weiner of Expogo. I'm curious uh, what you said about not being necessarily a good athlete, but you enjoyed what fitness did to you or allowed you to do as a as a person. How did you, if you remember, your first experiences actually trying the Expogo? Because you just allowed me to try it, and I was on it for literally 30 seconds. And my question was, do you sell them? I want one. Yeah, I don't know if I was quite as enthusiastic on my first try, but in the same way, there's something very addicting about Pogo because it is, right, we do host competitions and you can be competitive, right? Like, can I do more than my friend? But at the same time, it also is a very kind of internal discipline, right? Okay, I can get five bounces. Can I get 10? Can I do a bar spin? You know, can I do a peg, whatever, tricks? And you're able to really compete against yourself quite nicely. And I think that's what was exciting about it is it's like, okay, I'm hanging out with these guys. I like these pogoers. They're my friends, blah, blah, blah. I should be able to pogo. And it's easy to set these kind of little milestones within it and get plenty of fulfillment through kind of those, you know, quick, simple milestones and working through it. And I'm curious when you pogo yourself, do you do tricks? Do you jump for a number of pogos? If that's the correct terminology, sure. do you decide I'm going to go and I'm going to pogo a mile today? How, do, how does it work when you yeah, use it? Good question. Um, for me personally, I kind of like tricks and something funky and creative. We do something, say, called Pogo All May. It's like an Instagram challenge where we try and get our followers and pogoers to just post a new clip every day of May. So that one's fun. So like for me in that, you know, it's trying to do either a new trick or something weird and creative and goofy. Like I made a friend Pogo Joust with me for like a clip for that. So for me, I'm not, as I mentioned, a spectacular athlete. Like I'll probably never be able to flip on a pogo stick. But I find it almost as a way of like creative expression. So it is bouncing around, whether it's trying to do a trick or just trying to do something funky and weird that no one's done. Like I think as far as I know, and this isn't maybe the healthiest thing, the first person to eat a hot dog while pogoing. I'm going to try and do a Guinness record for that one day just because we do lots of Guinness records. If you can see on our wall, I know this isn't helpful for the podcast, but we have a tight relationship with them. We do a lot of pogo records. Um you know, trying to be like, hey, can I jump up onto my desk? Like, I'm just going to take a half hour during lunch and see if I can do that. Um, so that's kind of it is what I like to do is small mini challenges. And you kind of dropped down the rabbit hole for me there. Somebody is listening to this and they're saying, well, you know, I don't want to do tricks or I'm not going to be like Ben and see, can I pogo a mile? What are some of the Guinness records that either you've set or are the goals to set? Because I think one of the things about having a sport or activity is if it's the same old thing, if it's like, okay, we show up and the goal is you pogo a hundred times as fast as possible, pretty much that gets old and it isn't something that continues to grow. So what is it with pogoing? What are some of the Guinness records you've had or are hoping to have in the future? Not you personally, but sure. what you help organize or, yeah. or you personally. I mean, yeah, I don't know if there's much beyond hot dogs for me, um, just given the, the talent a lot of these pros have. But, you know, there are lots of different disciplines, something like 
high jump right now is not quite eleven foot two. We did it in uh, we did it in Europe, so it was three point four meters, which is something like eleven foot one and seven eighths inches. And I have to ask with that. How do they do that? Do they have to, do they pogo up or is it from a, a stand and do they land on the stick or do they land in a pad? Sure. So you are allowed to pogo up. Um, sometimes people will actually drop off of a box or whatever. The guy I did it with, or I didn't do it, but I was on site with the guy who did it. Dimitri, who's this Russian, really amazing pogoer. Um, a lot of people jump off a box. He didn't even do that at first, but they pumped the stick up. So he was probably around 125, 130 PSI. Um, and just really, really get it cranking. A lot of it is about form where you kind of have to tuck up over the bar. We generally set a mat on the other side of the bar just because if you don't land it, it's not good falling from that height. Like last um, year at Pogopalooza, Dimitri didn't set the record then. He was attempting it. He clipped the bar with just the tip of his pogo, which kicked him off the stick. And he was essentially horizontal in the air, 11 feet, falling straight onto his belly. Luckily, we had a pretty nice crash mat, and he's a very fit, I don't know, lucky guy, and he was okay. Um, and you're able to pogo into the mat. You essentially have to get up over the bar and bounce three times to demonstrate control or the official Guinness rules. But even honestly, if you can jump two feet on a pogo, jumping two feet over a bar feels entirely different. I don't understand quite like the psychology of it. But that's something that's kind of fun is to try and test yourself and push yourself and be like, okay, can I jump over a one foot bar next week? Can I jump over two feet? So on and so forth. Um, there's lots of cool, interesting ones with like backflips and stuff like that. You know, most backflips in a row, I think is 20. Um, but then there's some really interesting kind of more fitness ones. And I think what's interesting in those is it's actually not a lot of the guys who are necessarily the pros outperforming and doing flips and stuff like that. But there's a guy, Jack Sexty from the UK. He, set the record for initially for Pogo Mile, which has since been eclipsed, but he also currently has the record for most consecutive bounces, which is 88,046. How long did that take? 13 hours or so. It was him and two other athletes competed. And again, they're both endurance athletes, not necessarily primarily Pogo people. We set it up as a part of Pogo Palooza several years ago in Philadelphia, started at, you know, early morning, let him go 13 hours. Um, he came out with that. This year at Pogapalooza, we had a fastest mile race because there are three guys who over the past couple of years have all held the title and taken it from one another. And so we did time trials at Penn Hills Track. That's seven minutes and 40 seconds. Miles very tough on a pogo. Um, and, and just so the listeners are clear, that's hopping on the pogo for a mile without your feet touching down. It's only correct. the pogo's touching only down. Only pogo going. So 740, which I don't even know if I can do that in a mile. Um, you know, we did... As a part of that, we're probably trying to set a record, something like the Pogo 100-yard dash just afterwards because we had this big football. and um, Like I said, it was the endurance guys doing the mile, but a lot of the pros came out to support them, and everyone was like, hey, what if we did a 100-yard dash? I don't know what the exact time was, but it was kind of fun to do the race. So if you can think it, you can probably do it. Most cars jumped over, most bounces in a minute, fewest bounces in a minute, most stick flips, um, most people at the same time backflipping. There's a... I think Pogoing like a lot of extreme sports allows for a lot of creativity and you can do a lot of different kind of things with it because the sport is also so young. There's a lot of ability to figure it out, whether it's at the top level or even just for yourself, kind of how to keep it fresh there, I think is a lot there. And you've mentioned your involvement with it has been since about 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. How old is the actual sport itself? It's a good question. It was really kind of the early 
2000s, kind of late 90s, you know, action sports were pretty big back then. There were a good number of people who were, you know, whatever, kids into action sports, and they see a pogo stick in their garage, and they kind of think, I wonder what I can do with this. And it's kind of very much a story in some ways about the power of the internet, because they were kind of these isolated pockets, you know, Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York, Florida, a couple kids at a time doing it. And at this point, YouTube wasn't really a thing, but it was a lot of message boards and somehow or other through message boards, they kind of found each other, started this community, started Pogo Palooza, kind of started X Pogo out of that. At the same time, kind of unknowingly, um, Flybar, which is a, a Pogo company, started trying to make an extreme stick. Vertigo, who I've mentioned, their guy just kind of was like bored and NASA scientist, whatever, said, maybe I'll make an extreme stick. And they all kind of just collided through the internet because it's just easier to connect that way. And it sort of snowballed from there. So really, you know, I can't say the sport is going to be much older than 20 years. I don't know if there was like the first day someone did a bar spin on a pogo, like that's not recorded. Um, Pogo Palooza one, I think was 2000 and four. I need to double check that. Let me see. Pogo. Yeah. Pogo Palooza two is 2005. So one was 2004. And Pogo Palooza is the Pogo Stick World Championships or a yeah, Pogo event? So, so, yeah, we call it the World Championships of Pogo. It's taken a lot of different forms. Um, the way we're doing it now, and I, I think that makes sense, is for a while it was kind of just whatever. The first one was in a church parking lot in Nebraska, a guy, Dan Brown. Um, it was also the first person to do a Rubik's Cube tutorial on YouTube. So just facts there um hosted it and people came you know pogos from all over and the you know first prize was a handful of trail mix um was kind of like the first era of pogo palooza pogo palooza six was here in pittsburgh in shenley plaza that i did not make um and that was kind of the first one that was more public from then we kind of toured it for a few years and now i think that we are kind of set here in pittsburgh it's sort of my intention, I think, to kind of just try and root it here and build up an audience, build it a crowd. Because when we were touring it, you know, we did it in New York, we did it in Philly, but we would tie it on. We did it in Pittsburgh, even as part of the regatta. We would always tie it to a different event. And it was cool because a lot of people would come and see it, but we didn't necessarily build up a dedicated base that way. And I think a lot of the stuff we're doing here in Wilkinsburg, we are getting actually kids who are interested in going pro and pogo with us every other week. Um, and people who are you know, not massive crowds, but going out of their way and saying, I want to go to see a pogo competition just to see a pogo competition. And for me, I think that's how we kind of have to build it. Um, so that's where I see it going now. So again, back to your original question, it's a competition for the pros, but additionally we try and stuff, have stuff for amateurs. We have free jumps. So just anyone can come up and try any of the pogos, whether it's, you know, one for a little kid or, you know, these air powered vertigos, uh, we have a kids bounce off. So for 15 and under whoever can go the longest, which always gets pretty crazy. The one we did this year, we made it a little more difficult. So it ends sooner. But when we did it two years ago, it went like an hour and 15 minutes in the rain. And we were like, you kids should get off. And they're like, no. And we're like, okay, fine. Keep pogoing. Um, so we want it to be a competition, but also a celebration of pogo. I'm curious about the pros. I'm curious on two fronts. The first front is where do most of these pros come from? Do they grow up pogoing and say, I want to go pogo? Or do they come from other sports? And the second question is one I'm sure you get a lot is, can you actually make a living pogoing? Yeah. No, it's a great question. So it's varied. And and I do like that. And I think that's part of what drew me to the community is we get people from lots of places and backgrounds. 
I like to say we're kind of like the nerds of action sports. I feel like like a lot of these people start when they are young, you know, 12, 13, whatever, and had interest in other action sports. And there's something that just kind of drew them to Pogo. And I do think it is because it is a little weird and a little funky within action sport. It does kind of draw a lot of interesting personalities and just kind of. I mean, like I said, I do feel like we are in a lot of ways just kind of like the nerds of action sports where like it is something, not that bikes aren't this way, but there is a lot kind of of tech in terms of kind of customizing your pogo and figuring stuff out with the PSI and how big of a piston you want um, and kind of the technicality and self-improvement of that. So we have people from all across the United States, you know, some from here, Pennsylvania, Ohio, but Tennessee, Florida, for some reason, there's something going on in the water in Idaho, like several of the top, I think there's three, really four top-notch pogoers in Idaho, which is strange. A couple from California. I don't know why we don't have more in California. Canada, Russia, France, Mexico. We were just in Japan for a thing called Chimera Games. They're not pro-level, but there's a little bit of a scene growing there. Um so to answer your question, it's kind of from everywhere. I think it is people who have that drive for an extreme sport kind of happen into kind of the weirdness of Pogo. And I think because it is small, it's easy to be pretty good. It's easy to kind of be seen and get in to be a part of the community, whether you're pro or not, which I think is a bonus and attractive for a lot of people. As far as can you make money, you know, we aren't, none of us are, are millionaires off of this. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, hopefully it's something that can grow. But uh, we do have, you know, about five or six guys who pretty much their full-time job is performing pogo, traveling around for the different appearances they have. You know, we'll do kind of in the fall, winter performances at schools. We'll do NBA halftimes, NCAA halftimes, corporate events in more of kind of like the spring, summer. Uh, we do a lot of fairs, so like big state fairs where – We've done the regatta for the past several years. Obviously, there was no regatta this year, so we didn't do the regatta, but that wasn't our fault. Um, uh, we'll do summer camps, minor league baseball games. So it is still fresh enough, and I think the stuff they're doing is still impressive enough. I mean, not still. It's just in a legitimate level very impressive. Uh, and we figured out how to, you know, I do have a bit of a theater, theater background, sports entertainment background. Um put together a package that is exciting and entertaining and we're able to sell that and tour that. And, you know, people can make a living doing it. And I think there's the other kind of benefit of it may get tiring at points, but getting to travel, getting to see new places, getting to, you know, go across the world to do this type of thing that I think is, you know, a perk of, of the job. We're talking to Will Weiner of Expogo. He's mentioned uh, Pogo Palooza. He's mentioned professional Pogo Pogoers? Pogo stickers, I think Pogo stickers. I don't know if anyone's ever agreed. On uh, the people who perform at various shows, high jump competitions, strange uh, or unusual, I guess, not strange, unusual Guinness World Records. What other sorts of things do you do with Expogo as far as to raise awareness for pogoing for a variety of people? Yeah, so we came back to Pittsburgh. I say back to Pittsburgh just because a lot of us had roots here in some way or another. A couple years ago, and for me, a big thing was I think we'd missed out on athlete development in a good number of ways. Being in New York, where we previously were, there's just so much going on, and time is so difficult to actually kind of get in front of kids. And to me, I think kind of 
just showing kids like pogo is cool. Pogo can be fun and getting them into it as a different type of fitness, a different type of movement um, is important, you know, beyond just kind of the business side of it. I just think it is a lot of fun and fulfilling. So we've worked pretty hard and we're still trying to expand it to do a lot of things here in the Pittsburgh area. Our office is based in Wilkinsburg. So within that, generally twice a month, we do an open pogo meetup where anybody who wants can come here, try out any of the sticks. You know, often there are pros in town who can give some coaching or if you just want to basically learn how to pogo, you know, we have boxes here you can pogo on that the pros use as obstacles. We have crash mats, all that kind of fun stuff. So that's kind of like phase zero. Kind of the next level up, we work within Wilkinsburg a good bit, whether it be with like the Parks and Recs Department. We try and go there every week, every couple weeks in the summer to do open pogo with kids, um, whether it's plugged into local events here through Community Forge where we're based stuff with the um, Wilkinsburg CDC, Chamber of Commerce, other youth groups, and then kind of expanding out from that. I think what I'm really trying to do is also just build a lot of partnerships in terms of, you know, talking with other fitness groups in Pittsburgh, starting kind of, I've been having a lot of talks with people like Ascend and Switch and Signal. Um, no, sorry, not Ascend. Well, I actually have talked to Ascend too, uh, but um, Wheel Mill and Switch and Signal and doing combo like BMX pogo days, combo skate pogo days. Um, even with Ascend, doing some sort of pogo at the gym because it's actually a pretty fun place because there are mats. I think we could do a lot of cool stuff there. Um, just to kind of show cross-pollinate because I don't want I – don't, I don't think it's realistic to imagine everybody's going to become a pro or obsessed with pogo sticking. But ultimately it is, I think, a really good form of fitness and just kind of a fun form of activity to get involved in or – the alternative is maybe Pogo's not for you, but I do think we put out a lot of cool, interesting stuff and we're an interesting part of the Pittsburgh community and making sure people are aware to check out stuff like Pogapalooza or the meetups or our videos um, can just be enriching to people who like sports and action sports and kind of the stories inherent to them as well. And we'll have extensive show notes for that. Another question that probably people who are listening are going to have is, what do I need in the way of equipment to Pogo? And what's the cost to get this equipment or do I already own some of this equipment? Sure. So as far as we'll get to the pogo sticks beyond that for safety equipment, a helmet is probably good, especially if you're using kind of one of the big air vertigos. Um, but there are some pretty nice spring sticks out there. The um, super pogo by Flybar, the flight by NSG um, flight is probably like 60 bucks. Uh, Super Pogo's a hundred some that are spring based, but still able to kind of endure an adult uh, bouncing on it and still give you a pretty nice workout. You're not going to get crazy air, but these are honestly kind of what a lot of the guys started with. So you can still do some pretty funky stuff on that, get an interesting warm up, jump over things, um, work kind of the muscles that Pogo will work. And on those, like, you can wear a helmet unless you're going really crazy. You're probably not going to take a huge spill. I mean, that being said, if, if you feel more safe, use a helmet, use a helmet. I'm not going to say don't use a helmet. Um, and what's the advantage slash disadvantage of getting, uh, spending a little more money and getting one of these air sticks? Sure. So with the air sticks, those are going to run about $400. Um, I do think in some ways it's good to practice or learn on a spring stick. You don't have to. Uh, you can always come to our pogo meetups and, and get a little practice there. That's a plug. Um, but with the air sticks, I do think whether you're trying to be a pro pogoer or just fitness or just screw around, um, the durability is really pretty top notch on these vertigos. Um, you know, they're made in America, blah, 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 but it's pretty hard to mess them up. 
And it's pretty easy if you need a little replacement part, like you mess up a handlebar or something. That's a lot cheaper than buying a whole new pogo stick, and they are pretty modular in that sense. Um, the other thing that's cool with them, you're going to get the most intense workout for sure on one of these Vertigo Air pogo sticks. Uh, because they are air-powered, you are able to scale the amount of pressure in there to your experience and your skill. So I know even personally, when I started, I probably maybe couldn't go over 30 PSI or something like that. I'm probably pretty naturally now around 50, 55. And like if I had to, could do 80. Um, but you're able to increase the resistance. So as your skills improve, you can actually make the workout scale up in terms of that. Um, if you do want to, you know, mess around with tricks and stuff like that, you can do that on the spring sticks. You can do basic tricks on the air ones as well. So I don't know if there's a huge difference there, but the ability to, if you really are looking to get air, to jump up onto things, to jump over things, I'm not talking like cars, but even if you just want to jump over a milk crate, um, that's going to be easier on the air pogo stick right there. And I'm assuming anybody whose goal is they're saying, you know, I want to see how high I can jump whether they're professional or not, they're going to be using an air stick and not a spring-based stick? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you really try, our probably best guys on the spring stick could maybe jump over a four-foot bar on a spring stick. You know, that's pretty easy on the air stick. Like, once you're comfortable, you might just have that as your average bounce. <laughs> just kind of, they make it that easy once you kind of know what you're doing and you're feeling comfortable um, so if you are looking for height, you can do that. That being said, if you're just looking for fitness, you don't have to go that high on the air stick. Um, and the other nice thing with it, which is mentioned in the wall street journal article, it honestly is a very low impact because of the way it kind of, it is essentially a giant air piston, like you would have in a car, right? It's an air shock. Um, so it absorbs the impact quite well as you're bouncing on it, even with that high of resistance. And I can speak that that's actually true right now. I have a slightly inflamed lumbar disc, so I'm getting a little bit of disc pain, and I actually hopped on it because if I'm going to interview a pogo guy, I'm going to try it, and there was absolutely no back discomfort or pounding. It was it was actually very cushy. Yeah, so I think, you know, there are, to me, a lot of workout benefits. Again, I think if it's something you're doing every day, for me to keep it fresh, I try and do tricks or something like that, but... Even as part of cross training, like one thing I was interested that I found when we were in Japan as part of, we we're at this thing called the Chimera Games, which is an action sports festival. So it's primarily, you know, a lot of skaters, a lot of BMX, a lot of FMX. And a lot of the people we met who pogoed there weren't primarily pogoers, but they had known this contact of ours who got us out there who sells pogo sticks and they actually use it for cross training. So it was snowboarders in the off season, um, BMX people, FMX people who wanted to kind of work on their bodies in a different way. And they kind of saw Pogo as a fitness tool that kind of fit in with extreme and was fun. And they could do some basic tricks on, you know, these people were maybe not having a lot of technical tricks, but they knew how to do flips. So they could do a backflip dismount off of the Pogo stick. Um, and they actually saw it as a really nice cross training tool. We've been talking with Will Weiner. He is the president and CEO of Expogo, which is a marketing company and grassroots for raising the awareness for pogoing in general and specifically air-based pogo sticks. Will, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to FitLab Pittsburgh. I really think uh, pogoing is something that if you treat movement as a lifestyle, it can be part of your lifestyle. And at the end of the day, if it's fun, people will do it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and I think that's a big core of what what we're trying to do is 
you know, it's a lot of people who are passionate about the sport, who have a lot of fun with it, who love it. And, you know, why share that again? Like I said, we're not, you know, trying to turn people into pogo fanatics, but I think there is a lot of joy. I don't know that can come out of watching it or doing it or trying it and mixing it in with your routine and kind of adapting it as part of part of activity. So I really appreciate you for, you know, having me, letting me chat about this. And if people are curious, you know, definitely check us out online pretty much on every social media platform at XPogo. Uh, we post about the different stuff we do in Pittsburgh there as well as our international adventures. So um, that's the best place to kind of find out all that stuff. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of FitLab PGH, brought to you by Moving to Live. Intro and exit music is Marathon Man by Jason Shaw. Check out the show notes for contact info for our latest guests, links to other information mentioned in the episode, and links to our sister podcast, Moving to Live. Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise for professionals and amateur aficionados. Moving to Live offers topics from career development to coaching tips and education resources to advice for parents of student-athletes. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play, or check out our website for other subscription options. Your free subscription gets you notified when we release a new episode. Questions, comments, suggestions? Email us at fitlabpgh at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fitlabpgh and like us on Facebook. If you enjoy our podcasts, please tell your friends about us and consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make FitLab PGH a go-to place to learn more about movement in the Pittsburgh area. Until next time, keep on moving.